Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Welcome to this somber and yet hopeful edition of Bowie versus Dylan. <laughs> I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And folks, uh, we lost one. Chaz, we lost one. We lost... I know we did. We I lost we a podcast, and I'm genuinely bummed out about it, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for those, for those at home, yeah, Jake recorded it. I Something did. happened to it. It made us really sad, but we had lost an entire episode. And so we're redoing we the episode. That's yep. how much we care about you. <laughs> we could have just skipped it, and yeah, you, you 32 people would have been like, what happened in 1972? We could have, like, tried to gaslight you all and been like, yeah, yeah, we did 1972. Yeah. Yeah, what? Did you, like, you don't remember it? Yeah. Did you not download that one? Oh, Maybe whoops. Your, uh, phone wasn't uh, I guess um, I guess that one must have got lost because of something you did. You, so it was something you did, not you our listener, fault. No. no, couldn't be our fault. We, no, uh, we, we have it. On our end, it's up. Yeah, it's, there. it's there. I mean, you can see it. Everyone, only only on our friends, computer. All your friends already listened to it. Yeah, and now they'll, they'll never, they don't remember it either, so you'll never hear it mm-hmm. again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jake, I had, I had a thought about this episode, because since we're redoing an episode here. Yeah. 50 years from now, Jake. Yeah. The 50th anniversary of the Bowie vs. Dylan podcast. <laughs> so that'll be the year when it's, 2000. When it's, when it's, when it's, it's released as a lavish box set. What do you think box sets uh, will be like in the year 2069? Somehow, archivists of the future will find the corrupted file that mm-hmm. was the original version mm-hmm. of this, and that mm-hmm. will be like one of the big the big cells on that box set will be the original version the famed? of episode Episode 34, about 1972. The and famed, I'll have them both on there. It'll be a really big deal. That'll the, be the really selling point on that one. The famed lost episode of Bowie vs. Mm-hmm. Dylan. I mean, mm-hmm. the only splattering of verbal junk that the world didn't get to hear from us. <laughs> That's it. All the rest of it was out there, baby. Oh, I love uh, it all of our of junk is out there. No. <laughs> oh, Jake. <laughs> oh, oh, Jake. <laughs> Well, anyway, we so, um, yeah, I, we can. Let, let me just tell you how I rectified our situation, though. So I'll, uh, this is a little bit under the hood. This is a little bit inside baseball. But here's <laughs> how I normally record a podcast. I, uh, Charlie calls me, or I call him, and I put him on speakerphone. And I put that phone right next to an iPhone 4 that my daughter now <laughs> technically owns. And I record it onto the voice memo of the iPhone 4. <laughs> I then put it on the computer, iTunes, etc. Those are like high-tech lessons on recording your own podcast. Absolutely. Now, they don't teach this in podcast school because it's a bad <laughs> idea, and I'll tell you why. Somehow... First the, of all, the sound quality ends up surprisingly good for well, this situation. Now, can, we all, can we all agree about that? I want, I want to say, you know, I, I hate to pat myself on the back because I'm the one that's responsible for our last episode, but... I, uh-huh. do, I do do a little, you know, mastering and mixing oh. and editing, you know... Not to toot my own, not to toot my own horn. I'm in charge of the website, everybody. Just guess. <laughs> <that. laughs> 
And actually, Charlie scripts our entire conversations. <laughs> it's a storyboard. He gets really mad if I don't. An average of 15 hours per episode <laughs> to script everything. Everything you hear right now, including this, has been scripted. You can tell. Anyway, my solution for the missing episode is I'm not going to allow this to happen to us again, Chaz, and I'm now using uh-huh. two iPhone 4s. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm pushing a voice memo on both of them simultaneously. <laughs> I have some ideas for how to possibly actually improve the situation. We can talk about it another time. We're not going to talk about that now. So. I, I know. Not we're, right now. We, not you know, right one now. day, dear listeners, we're going we're gonna to be a lot more professional than we are now, but this is what we're well, working we're just, with. I'm just, I'm just waiting for those big, fat corporate sponsors to come rolling. I know. Hey, um, wait. Okay, so you were drinking a beer. What is it? Let's get a, let's get a sponsor right now. a... Oh shoot! What is it? Is it Summit? I think it's Summit. Yeah, can't remember. Yeah, can't remember. It's a Minnesota local. Let me go find the can in my recycling. Oh, bag. you already downed it? It's not even there anymore. No, no, it's in a cup. Oh, like oh, oh. shells. Very good. Very <laughs> remember good. shells. Shells. Summit. It's shells. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a rye IPA. Jake. Okay, so shells. Get on that. Stag series. Rye, rye Indian pale. Sponsor. It's, it's really good. This cast. Sponsor it. <laughs> Shells. All right. Okay. Hey, should we, uh, I don't know, talk about David Bowie and or yeah, Bob Dylan? Yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, we're going to do 1972 again. 1972. Only... Okay. Yep. Let's now, do Now, the best part of those for me is 1972, everyone, is... Thank you. It's the Ziggy Stardust year. It's the big, I mean, it extends, but, but it's the Ziggy Stardust year, which is I mean, one of the most important years no, in wait. Bowie's entire illustrious career, which means I get to just, like... Squall out again, and in in honor of this, Jake, uh, I want you to know that I am wearing full length spandex, uh-huh. head to toe. Yeah. Except for a lot of chest showing right now, a lot of chest. Just showing. a lot of chest. Now, how skeletal is your chest? Is it pretty skeletal? Yeah, well, it's pretty skeletal. <laughs> Not as skeletal as yeah. in 1975, 1976, <clears throat> but, but getting there. Skeletal. Getting but, there. But I wasn't showing off as much in 1975 as I was today. I've got knee-high lace-up red boots on, Jake, right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. usually usually they're blue, but today they're red. Usually the, well, today they're red. Red's a little bit better color for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a mullet. Uh-huh. Uh, oh. It's bright red. Oh, oh, a bright red mullet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing heavy makeup right now. Yeah, like rouge, like, uh, you know, red cheeks and everything. Yeah, oh yeah. You look like a demented alien clown. From outer yeah, space. I also I, oh, I also shaved off my uh, eyebrows. Oh, you shaved off your eyebrows, bro? Yeah, That's great. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. It's only late only late in the year. Very late in the year. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, wait. So he started well, I know I am ready. I'm ready to go here, Jake. I'm ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Okay, so I have a, I have something you, I have something though let first. Let me weave you a glittery oh, spandexy tail after your question whatever it is. Well, first of all, I've never heard of Ziggy Stardust, so this is going to be an education okay, yep. for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen at home, I would like you to know that Jake does not own, own the rise and fall of Z Stars and the Spiders. I do on my computer that I may or may not Secret have downloaded shame. illegally. But Secret shame. But it was totally he legal. He does a hunky dory, which makes sense. That would be the most obvious Jake yeah. liking album in in, uh, in Bowie's catalog. But I bet uh, I bet I know a bunch of songs off of it though, because there was yeah, some I bet you hits. Do. I bet you do. Classic rock radio. That was my childhood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, let's do this. You ready do to do it. this? I'm ready. Hit me. All right, all right. So let me weave you a tail. Here we go. So Bowie spent, you know, unlike Dylan, who was just a rocket from the pocket, <laughs> like 
that was not even a thing. I don't know. I don't think it that's was a just, thing. just uh, hit it from the crib. I don't know. Who was, like, really great right away. Yeah. But we took his time. Yeah. He neveled and, you know, actually started making good songs, like, like a fine wine. <laughs> he, in 1969, the 50th anniversary of which is being just flagged to death right now. Right now. He released Space as Oddity as the, the song, which is his first big hit and an amazing song. Then he kind of like, no one really cared about what he did for the next couple of years, even though that what he did was amazing. Um, including Huggy Dory. No one really cared about Huggy Dory at the time. And then he finally hit it big in 72 with, with Ziggy Stardust. And this is what really, this really did it. Now, Huggy Dory only came out in December of 71. Ziggy came out in June of 72. Dang, they were fast. essentially recorded at the same time. Like some of the Ziggy demos like predate, and there were some songs that were going to go on the other one and ended up on the like, on the opposite one. Like they were kind of going together, which is really a, a interesting way of recording, especially when the two of them are so incredibly good. They're such amazing albums, both of them. Yes. Um, so there's all like this whole year just revolves around Ziggy Stardust, and I'm gonna start by talking a little bit about the album since that's kind of the center of it all. Can I ask? Like a, I can I ask a real question? Can I ask a yeah. real question, quick? Yeah. Did yeah. his fame? How sudden did his like mega fame feel? Or was this sort of? It was this coming, somehow. It was coming. I know it was coming for so long. He was this up and coming talent for so long. Yeah. And then especially his last two albums, "The Man Who Sold the World" and "Hunky Dory," got amazing press. Like they they were really, really critically acclaimed. Lauded. There were people. They had a lot of people like critics and stuff at his back. He just wasn't making it as, you know, like he wasn't having hits and stuff. Like a big deal. Like bigger, yeah, 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 yeah. So this this came pretty big, and there was one particular performance where he, like, first brought out all the costumes of everything and performed uh, Starman on Top of the Pops, ooh, which ooh. apparently is one of those, like, classic. It, the footage may or may not still exist. It's not clear. I love that song. But it, um, I couldn't find it anyway. But it's supposed to be one of those moments that, like, people remember where, like, watching this thing, like, uh-huh. because they didn't know what he was. He, he was, was this a alien star. outer space coming in. He was just huge, and, like, it just changed you now. Every, every gay teenager in all of Britain, mm. like, suddenly figured it out while watching David Bowie that night on Top of the Pops. All? Suddenly went, like, whoa, okay. All three okay, of them. here it is. All, all right. All three of they them. All, they all figured it out just seeing this guy up there, because it was such, it was supposed to be such a monumental moment. Anyway. Getting back to Z Stars the album, because this is the type of, of episode where I just talk, Jake, and you just listen. I know, okay? I'm trying so to just, interject, so just, but it's not just working. Just listen, and Jake. I just keep on talking about uh, We, we you. talked about this as all, like, uh, you just did 1966 a couple episodes back. Boom. And it's such a gigantic year for the history of rock and roll and for Dylan, like, and everything he was doing. That, yeah. You know, we have more fun and get looser and more, be more ridiculous on the years when nothing happens, because we're just getting desperate to fill time. I got, I got, I got fill, Jake. You're filled all up. All killer, no filler. You know, it's all filling. So it's from now on, everybody just, just be serious. So everyone just, everyone just serious. shut up. Just shut, just shut up. up. Everybody, just stop talking. Sit down and just, you just shut up. Mick Ronson. I'm talking about Ziggy. Yeah, we can throw Mick Ronson in there. He's coming <laughs> in. He's gonna have a big year. Oh, I know. All right, so Ziggy started the album. Is what we really got to center on here, Jake. First thing to know about Ziggy Stardust album is it's not a rock opera. Oh, no. What? believed to be. I, th- I, I know. Was. I know. It's okay. I mean, we're not talking about Tommy, which is trying to tell, like, an entire story, even as, you know, scattered as Tommy actually is. Pinball Wizard. Pinball Wizard. Well, that's a good song. It is a good song. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more like half of a concept album. Like, half of it has to do with uh, an alien rock star who inspires hope with only five years left for the world. 
Okay. It's a heady mixture of sci-fi, sexuality, and sweet, sweet fame, Jake. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Which we're going to strive David Bowie in the 70s. Sci-fi, sexuality, and sweet, sweet fame. That would be, those would be the three, oh, the three terms we'd use yeah. to describe him right there. That's, That's it. it. That's what he was doing. You don't need to know anything else about him. Nothing else except sci-fi, sexuality, and sweet, sweet fame. Boom. Um, so like, there is a character within this, this story of what, you know, what songs. Some of the songs have a lot to do with them or very much about them. Some don't seem to have anything to do at all. It's hard to say. Okay. Um, but it's the story of Ziggy Stardust and Alien Rockstar. Um, but what really changed things and what made this even more for Bowie was he like made himself into this fictional character from several of the songs in the mm-hmm. album. And he made his band, because the, the official, we're going to call it, keep calling it Ziggy Stardust because we don't have you know, time in this podcast. Shorthand. The full, the full title of the album is The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Right. And his real-life backing man was already at the Spiders from Mars. Right. It's like they're, they're just playing this, they're playing their own characters, and that is what makes a lot of this so unique, is that he's doing this and living this entire thing. So he's making himself into the character Ziggy Stardust. He plays a complete redo of his image. Mm. You know, as of Hunky Dory, he's got this long, wavy... Every hair, everyone keeps calling him, uh, saying he looks like Greta Garbo all a the time. Beautiful woman. He's got like this bag. Oh, it's just a beautiful man. He's just a beautiful man. Um, he's wearing man's dresses and these baggy pants, and you know he's very effeminate, um, which is shocking in its own way. And he completely changes his look for Ziggy Stardust. Complete review of his image and ideas. Um, even though I'll admit the music is not that different from Hunky Dory. Yeah. Think of this being like this big heavy album and being very different. And it's not. Aladdin Zane, which is the next one after Z Stars, that one's much heavier. Hmm. Um, but it's really not, and which makes sense when so much of it was recorded at the same time or just immediately after Hunky Dory, that, that musically it sounds a lot um, the same. But he, he comes out as very different. So he gets his, hor- his hair is a lot shorter and spiky, the famous, you know, dyed red mullet, which isn't really a full-blown, it's not like a huge mullet to start out with. It becomes a pretty spectacular <laughs> mullet later on. Yeah, It's more like uh, if you're growing your hair out, you know, and it starts to look like you have a mullet in back, unless you trim it or something. It looks more like that to me. Yeah. To start know, out with. It's, it's you know the in-between phase. You know what I'm saying? I do. You know I'm There's, it's the awkward phase when you're trying to grow your hair out. It's the awkward phase. But he, he embraced it. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't awkward and for him. And spiked it all up. It, it wasn't awkward for him. Or at least yeah, he he's wearing so. makeup all the time, which he was already wearing some makeup, but more obvious makeup, you know, like, and eventually he's, like, putting, like, big circles on his forehead and the lightning bolt across his face and the same cover, stuff like that. No problem. Crazy outfits that were custom-made for him and inspired a lot by uh, Japanese styles. But he had, like, stylists putting in these crazy jumpsuits and stuff. They were nuts. Can I interject? Uh, a lot of his look was inspired by Clockwork Orange. The movie in particular, which uh, is a nutso movie, as, uh, sure. as we both know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he doesn't look anything like the characters from Clockwork Orange. At one point, apparently, he was going to have him the band dress more obviously like them. But instead, he tried to take some of that attitude. Um, which I think of like, he's still very androgynous, but he's much less effeminate. I was going to say, that sounds... And more like shocking and more... But still very androgynous at the same time. It's like a different side of this whole, you know, hunky-dory, he's, he's very effeminate in the androgyny but this like he's not he's it's the other way but yeah i mean the rock and roll and stuff is is masculine rock and roll i feel like yeah yeah so i don't know i if if i had to land on one side during this phase he definitely seems more masculine than feminine to me yeah no i i agree with that but it's still very 
it's very homosexual. Yeah, well, yeah. Still, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. I yeah, do. you know, like, yeah. no, you're right. Yeah, more masculine in a way. You're right. Anyway, you're right. That's interesting. Okay. Because he's very, uh, he's very in your face about it. He has a famous interview in 1972 in which he claims that he's, uh, I'm gay and I always have been. Oh yeah. Which is clearly not true. Even at the time, he knew that, but he said all kinds of crazy stuff to uh, interviewers. And now it kind of came back. He, he has said, he said later on, he kind of regretted that, but it was very much, uh, it was part of the. the promotion really well that was Before very that was very shocking back then it was very shocking yes, that someone was gay say yeah. this. Mm-hmm. yes and we'll get more of that in a second um but so bowie he kind of lived as ziggy essentially for you know 18 months or so into 73 well into 73 and in a sense people have said he's kind of got swallowed by the character that he became that he started sure. the sense, which is not always you know it's like method acting and it's not always the healthiest for the actor <laughs> no um Part of this was getting the spiders from Mars to to change their look too. They're expected to kind of dress in the same vein as uh, as Bowie, uh, our old pal and our favorite person ever combined. You uh-huh. know, yeah, number one, Nick Ronson, Nick Ronson. Of course, who was just you know blazing some you know just slinging some axe all over the place Absolutely. here. You know, such an influential. Apparently, he axe. really he he liked the look. He he, uh, oh, he, he was into it. Him, uh, helped him pick up chicks. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, apparently he liked it. He embraced <laughs> it. He, and he definitely looked the best of them, of the, of do you the spiders. Think, do you think at that time, with, in being in a world-famous rock band, he would have he yeah. really needed the costume to pick up chicks? Or? Well, I helped. I don't know, apparently it helped. helped. He, he said. He said <laughs> Even more know. chicks. And, and this is kind of like the irony here, too, because uh, Ronson and Bowie on stage could get pretty scandalous, Jake, oh, if I don't mind telling you. Daddy. Famously on some appearance uh, during one of the guitar solos, you know, just yes. sweltering guitar solos. <laughs> Ooh. That, uh, <laughs> that Ronson would, you know, would lay down there, you know, with tasty licks just, just slathering just, everything, you just, know? Just caking them on almost to excess, really. <laughs> It's almost, like, this almost. this cake is delicious, but the frosting is outrageous. <laughs> so wow! But it's like the best frosting you've ever had, but you know you'll be sick later, but you don't care. You don't care, because, you know, you're doing it now. Anyway, uh, Bowie would sometimes uh, mime fellatio on his guitar oh. while he was, you know, doing these, Mick these would do, solos. Would, Mick would be doing that. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, hey. so this is one of those funny things, though, about... Bowie is how many how many how disparate of elements he inspired because in his like rock image and the Ziggy Stars image he helped to inspire some punk stuff right but then in this whole like flirting with his guitar player and they like, going back to back and stuff this is total hair metal stuff you know yeah oh way hair metal yes and so he like somehow inspired both of these incredibly opposite groups at the same time yeah and so like Bowie because Bowie was, was a, it was a, it was okay for the punks to like Bowie you know like you couldn't like the Beatles that wasn't all right. No, of course. You couldn't not. like all kinds of other people, but you could like Bowie. That was okay. You could be into Bowie. You could be into Bowie. I don't As know how they feel about Dylan. How do the punks punk. feel about Dylan? I have no idea. They probably just kind of ignore uh, him. He, uh, he, Dylan sort of like took a cue from them at, at some point, at least in like attitude and doing what you wanted to do. But then, but then turned gospel. No, that was it. Was after that? It was like <laughs> it was kind of a paradox. Gospel, wasn't gospel like seventy eight, seventy nine. Gospel was seventy nine. Uh, Bowie, or just saying, that's me. like just in the wake of you know of the punk revolution. No, you're right. You're right. But I'm saying like he admired some of the punk musicians and stuff like okay. that. But okay. then that was in the eighties. He was trying to be famous, but he also had this impulse that he was going to go on like a 
a world tour with you know two punk musicians or something like that. <laughs> he so, had a plan for, he, for all kinds. Of he things. had a plan for every for season. All kinds of things. Every season. All right, let's get back into this, Jake. Yep. I all right, dive. Side chit chat. I'm sorry. Hey, can I? Whatever his last, whatever his last name. I is, need I don't to remember, do. I don't want to know. I need to do one more side tangent. And then you can go on. Okay. You've talked about okay. you've talked about Bowie's look, and I just I want to know. You know, the audience wants to know um, if you've fully shown your appreciation for that new Barbie doll that looks like David Bowie that came out this year. <laughs> oh man! Are you buying ten or twelve? You know how how weird how weird are we getting with this? Well, I'm going to buy one for every one of my daughters, Jake. That's not fair. You don't have any daughters. I know that. That's true. I know that thing is. Kind of, I can't like decide how I feel about that. It's, it's really kind of weird. funny, like to see it's Barbie really weird. with the, the Aladdin Sane haircut and everything. The only that's, uh, more, that's more of the Aladdin Sane, but in the outfit and everything, and they put her in like these weird poses in the pictures. You know, like yeah, kind of Bowie, slightly provocative. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also cross dressing the entire time, which just makes it all all the better. I the first the first word that came to mind, and I don't I don't often think of things this way, but the first word that came to mind was kinky. That's what I thought when I saw it. Okay. It was okay. Kinky. It's yeah, I wonder if there's any complaints about this. I've heard complaints of about some of the Barbies before. Oh really? Like which ones? Yeah. Like like the Dylan one? Oh, what was the one I'm thinking? Oh um, the one okay. There's a a superhero named Black Canary. Okay. And her costume is pretty much like fishnets and a black like leotard thing and a black leather jacket oh and okay. apparently people got all up in arms so she was one. she was kinky yeah 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 <clears throat> on purpose though yeah I don't, I, don't, I don't know how i mean i don't know how people feel about her dressing as a man who was dressing like a woman now what uh what about what about dylan's barbie doll what do you think of that one? Oh man, that would be. Jake, I would buy ten of those. Kate Blanchett as Bob Dylan as Barbie. Oh man, that would be even better. That would be dope. That could work. That could work. That Jake. could work, All and right. the hair could be like super Mattel, fizz. I assume. I, I think Mattel makes Barbie. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, uh, sure you, they do. You listen to it. Well, you have two daughters, so you probably know more. I don't know any. We don't have any Barbie dolls. Uh, here. All my Barbies are secondhand from from various places. I don't know anything. Okay. About, I don't know anything about the history of Barbie. Let's just say. Okay. That. This makes it sound like this is the only girl thing. I, if the boys wanted Barbie, I, I, oh yeah, you know, you know, if, the, never, if, the, if, the, if, the, no, if they were no into that kind of thing, no interest has been expressed in Barbie so far. So we'll just—that's fine. Whatever. Keep the dolls. All right, all right. So the the, the Bowie Barbie doll. Yeah, one sorry. Of the craziest products coming out. Really about Bowie weird. This year, which really is just weird. a year of so much, so much stuff. <laughs> Can't stop. I know. All I did right. like a couple of the pairs of the Vans, the Bowie Vans, though. Some the, of them were bad, but. I, think, I wanted the uh, the space oddity ones, the blue dots on them. Those are kind of cool. I thought they were all bad and weird. I think you're bad and weird. <laughs> I know. <sighs> all right, so Jake, let's yeah. talk about how Bowie became the Stardust and and became giant. The thing is, because he this was his giant break, and it's really important to mention his manager at this time. His manager's name was Tony Defries. Hey, and Tony Defries would have a horrible falling out later on because Tony Defries was a horrible man. Absolutely, but everybody knows he that he was quite was very important to Bowie's breaking, and the big thing was because I don't I don't I think Bowie was Defrey's first client as a manager. Like he was doing something else, if I remember right, just kind of like decided to be Bowie's manager. Okay. Anyway, Bowie or Defrey's plan was to just act as if Bowie was already had already made it, as if he was already a gigantic crazy star. Right. And it's so like to the point where they. They put him in all the most expensive hotels when they toured. They like 
pretty early on refused, started refusing interviews saying he was too busy. Oh my goodness. They like when like they just kept him away from people and like he was too busy, too successful, like too much stuff going on. They That's couldn't even interesting. Do it. I can't believe that worked. Well, there is I was trying to think about like a, a parallel. Like I was trying to think about the situation and how weird this would seem for kind of a you know, not a nobody, but you know, a, a kind of underground act with some respect to just suddenly act as if they're the biggest thing in the world. Yes. And the best example I could come up with was uh, with Lady Gaga from a few years ago. Okay. And you and I, neither one of us are really paying attention to modern pop music. Like, no. that's just not our, it's not our thing, which is whatever, you know. It's whatever. But I just, I just remember, like, suddenly hearing her name, and she would just, you know, she'd show up in award shows, and she was always, like, she had the sunglasses, so she felt very removed, and, you know, some big crazy wig, and she was wearing, like, she wore that meat dress that one time, Definitely. and she always had this entourage that looked like they were straight out of the coolest club, you know, like they were all, they all looked too cool for everybody else. And she was just at the center of it, and she was just, she felt like important and big and like this thing. Sure. Even before she really was. Yeah. And so that's the best, and I know Lady Gaga is a huge fan of Bowie, and I she's done a medley of his stuff after he died, and like, and she's mentioned it many times as an influence. Um, and so that that's the best thing I can think of, like the best example, okay. like modern example I can think of. It's just that seems it's, like it's, it all, it's all a strategy. Yeah. It's like this marketing strategy, you know. Interesting. It's pretend this person already is as important as they're going to be, or you know, they want to be. Yeah. And it totally worked for Bowie, by the way. Oh, yeah, sure did. Gaga too, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they like, I mean, they spent way too much money. They did all kinds of stuff. They put him up and all this. They just like. Were, going through money so quickly but he just exploded in the uk in in the course of this um he wasn't as successful in america but he still did it so did this big this is his first real tour is in 1972 not just like gigging you know straight gigging he's done straight gigging he's done straight gigging he's touring now yeah Um, he's on tour he he, he started out with this really theatrical show um uh, apparently the legendary show was in august at the rainbow including dancers, like choreographed dancers and light projection and all kinds of big stuff. But it was too expensive for the road. So already Bowie had this very theatrical bent to it too, is this whole thing, this whole like multimedia thing. It wasn't just an album. It was an album with a character and he was the character and there were videos and there was this tour with the character and there's all this stuff goes together with it, like to make it this big, gigantic thing. And this is something was kind of new for for rock to do it in this yeah. way and he did it so well too across you know he's wearing the, these specific costumes and all of this goes together with it and it was something he would become you know famous for um so he toured throughout the u.s as well he famously kicked off his u.s tour in wisconsin cleveland oh, cleveland <laughs> jake oh it's close wisconsin would have been, <laughs> been so rad our, our home state absolutely but it didn't happen there, so it doesn't matter. No, it didn't happen there. Cleveland, though, you know, that's... Apparently, uh, the, uh, the founder of the David Bowie fan club lived in Cleveland. So there was this big pocket of fans in Cleveland because this one kid was like... And the guy was like, you know, 19 or something and like just giant, crazy oh, David I, Bowie fan. I like David so Bowie. So, of course, you know, it must have been a day of his life because they like, you know, they gave him a special box and stuff. And he got oh, my goodness. Bowie at the show and everything. Probably, but then he helped promote... He essentially helped promote it. And so because there was this big pocket fan club there, That's they were able started. to you know, start the tour with a big, giant, sold-out show that uh, then got press and everything to help out with the other ones. Like okay. It was really a savvy move. Brilliant. They did something, because then the second show was in Florida, I think, and then they finally went up to New York after there and started doing some kind of normal tour after that. But it's, it's these big shows that they knew would be very successful to kick things off. Mm. Okay. So then he went all over the country. And not everyone was, was as successful, but... 
so I will. Savoy was incredibly uh, busy in 1972 because in between all this touring and, you know, being Ziggy Stardust, he also managed to uh, produce not one but two albums ranging in, you know, different realms of classic. Not one but two. Um, not one but two. Hey. I didn't mention this. He also mixed an album in 1972, but it didn't come out until 73. Oh, boo. Come I don't know what sleep in 72. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Anyway, years. the first one was by a little group by the name of Mata Hoople. Never heard of them. They had a famous hit, of course, written by Bowie called All the Young Dudes. All the Young Dudes. Which mentions uh, the band T-Rex. In Carry the bird. Boogaloo Dudes. Brothers at home with the Beatles and the Stones. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a good the song. song. It's a good song. And uh, I'm pretty sure the album I didn't write it down. The album is also called All the Young Dudes. So oh. Bowie wrote the song All the Young Dudes. But he also helped them. He he just like he came up on this by accident. He just happened to see them play. Where they were just about to break up. Like they had one more show left or something after that one. Then they were done because they weren't going anywhere. They weren't successful. And uh, Bowie gave them this, you know, amazing song that they knew was going to be a hit and talked them into staying together for some reason mm-hmm. and uh, ended up producing their first album. Um, which, I, Bowie, he, he for a long time wanted to be like an Andy Warhol type where he was kind of at the center of all these happenings and all these doings, all these things going on. And he tried to do this for several years where he's trying to, like, write songs for other people and produce different stuff and kind of, like, get other bands going, and he just couldn't let this go for a while. It wasn't until, I don't know, 75, 76 that he stopped. Now, even then, though, because he kept doing stuff for Iggy Pop for years, too. Like, he was always, like, just meddling and getting things going for other people. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, kind of an early case of that actually doing it. So that was the first one. The second one that he produced is a little higher profile. Because it's uh, by a gentleman by the name of, oh, I don't know, Lou Reed. Never heard of him. at the time was in his post-Velvet Underground phase, which Velvet Underground, you know, nobody knew who they were when they were together. No, not at all. Um, he had released one solo album that apparently is terrible. I've never listened to it. And it didn't go anywhere. Bowie brought him to London to produce another album. And it ended up being an album, yeah, Bowie got him a record deal. Okay. With yeah, and he had the same. He had the same manager then, this uh, Tony Jeffries, and helped make a little album by the name of uh, I don't know Transformer. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. You know, often considered one of the best albums of the seventies. Yes, with the it's a great album. It's a great album. So Transformer, though notably, it was co-produced by Bowie and a guy by the name of Oh I don't know Mick Ronson. I have totally heard of Mick Ronson. I just want you to know Mick that. number one, the only Mick, Mick in our hearts, the really. only Mick in it. I. There's a little bit of room for a big rock in my heart. Jay. Well, yeah, okay, a small slice. You're right. You're right. And right. one other mech that we'll we'll hold on to for just a minute. No, just, just hold on to it. Just, just, but mostly, yeah. mostly it's Mick Ronson. Mostly Mick Ronson. A little bit of Mick Rock in there too. Tiny bit. So uh, yeah, they produced Transformer together, and both of them did some performing on the album as well. Ooh la la! That's right. That's right. Wow. All right, Jake. We're kind of like rolling into an almost end for, for my end of 72. We had some wow. more stuff to talk about this points. Is a lot. There are a lot of them. This is a lot. Um, but before we get there, Jake, I have a very special year in hair for you. Oh, man. Can't wait. Because we've it's already a... done this. But I can't wait again. <laughs> Shut up, Jake. Pretend <laughs> that you don't remember what I'm about to do. Okay. It was All really right. good. It was surprising the first time. I know it was. Heard this. Uh, can it I... is a quadruple year in hair. 
I'm not doing your hair just for Bowie. I'm doing one for Bowie and all three members of the Spanish Well, Mars. that's a that's a that's a quintuple. Nope, just getting quadruple. I thought I just thought I thought maybe there were four other band members for a sec, but then I realized there weren't. No, I just I just said three members of the Spanish. Yeah, I know, Chaz. Just said that. That's what I remember. Just said that. Gosh, you can't let things go. Just okay. just a second. Ago. So we're starting with Bowie, who we already talked about his hair. He's got a shorter kind of spiky mullet. It's bright red. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. Just it's absolutely ridiculous and amazing ridiculous. and horrible at the same time. <laughs> yes. And uh, I give it uh, two and a half points. All right, so can I can I tell you after you say what points you give things? Can I tell you what you did last time? Because it's pretty funny. Did you write down what I wrote? What I, I did. I wrote them all down. <laughs> I plan on all right. I plan on uh, publishing a very successful coffee table book about all the year in hairs at one point. So <laughs> I want to. Uh, David Bowie's hair. A copyright, a copy but no, it's it's back. more it's more about <laughs> what you say about his hair that's important. <laughs> anyway, you gave Bowie a two point zero last time, so you're bumping. Okay, up, that's pretty close. You're bumping that's him pretty good. up. Pretty close. All right, who's next? Because I make up those points on the spot and really arbitrary about them. Yeah, that's great. Because whatever is in my heart at the time. <laughs> All right, next up is Ronson. Oh, he's got man. long dyed blonde hair, kind yep. of feathered out. <laughs> It feels. It looks soft. It looks like you could lay down in it for a little while. <laughs> It'd just be snuggle great. up. Yeah. And you'd want to too. I mean, until the tasty looks woke you up, you can't sleep <laughs> in the of air. And it's too sweltering in there. It's with too all those loud. Lights. It's, it's, swel- <laughs> it's a sweltering rock jungle in there. It's like it's like a cave that's too hot <laughs> with lips. <laughs> with lips. So many lips. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got, man? What is um, it? I'm gonna also. I'm gonna give this an also two and a half. Can I tell you what? You, <laughs> maybe what this. Last time? Maybe this was me telling you what to what to give it, but we uh-huh. <laughs> we gave it a million. <laughs> <last time. laughs> well, it was big rods. And, all right, I changed my. I've been changing to two million this time. <laughs> two million, okay. Two million, okay. Next up is Woody Woodmansey. Yeah, Woody. He's got we know fairly him. long hair with bangs, is what I wrote down. Yeah. His is, I don't know, he's the drummer. Never, Nobody really cares about the drummer. He's Can Woody. Can we agree on that? He's Woody. He's Woody. He's Woody. He's Woody, he's Woody That's he? all. He's Woody. <laughs> of course. Um, I also give this one a two and a half. All right. So two you, and a half across the board. You gave that a 3.0 last time. 3.0 last time. Okay. All right. Yep. And finally, Trevor Boulder. Yeah, Trev, I call dark, him. dark, medium-length hair with unbelievably long sideburns. Yeah. I want to... I, I meant to look that up after the podcast last time. Did you ever look it up, Jake? No. It's... I, it sounds amazing. Because like, it is. It's like his sideburns, you know, are there, but then they're just like all puffed up and grizzled, you know, and curly because, you know, it's like a beard. Yeah. He's like growing It's like Duck Dynasty them. length beard, but only at the sideburns. It's unbelievable. Well, I can't it's like, even... It's like longer than the rest of his hair. And it's this big curly mess. And I can't tell what's going on, like, what part of his hair is dyed. Because his sideburns <laughs> are noticeably a different color than the rest of his hair. So that means that it's probably a wig of some sort. A prosthetic beard. Uh, I mean, uh... No, you know. it's not. It's not. What do you mean it's not? Because I've know? read stuff about, like, band members talking, like, Bowie talking about his sideburns. Did he... <laughs> did he he's like, I did a line of <laughs> coke out of each of them. The unfortunate sideburns, something like that. So they're, on, they're just a very like they look gray in the pictures, but they're just a very different color than he was not young, you know, not old enough to have you know truly gray hair. But did he? But gr- just has he been growing them since he could grow facial hair? Is that what happened? Well, I think what happened was that he had 
he had long hair. He had long hair before, and then yeah. Bowie, as part of this new look, they were going to go for like a little bit shorter hair. Okay. Because so it wasn't like this barely long hair, you know. So he made them all get haircuts and do different stuff, and then uh, old Trev decided he was not going to cut those sideburns. Trev's right like, there. take anything but my sideburns, Bowie. <laughs> anything. You don't anything even have to. You don't even have to pay me. In a related doubt, yeah. he only had nine fingers. What? No, I'm just kidding. That was JFG. Oh. You were just talking about take anything except for the sideburns. I was oh. trying to... I thought you were doing... It just failed. It failed. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I thought you were doing a Def Leppard thing for a second with the guy with the one arm. <laughs> what? What is nine arms and sucks? Def <laughs> hey. It was all That's worth it. That's one of it. my favorite jokes. That's but a that, great okay, joke. That, that drummer great for Def Leppard, that guy, that guy rocks, so... Well, Chaz, that guy you, kills it with only one arm, okay? That guy's amazing. Chaz, you had a tape of Hysteria. Don't I lie. Did. I, I think I had two Def Leppard tapes. You had separate, separate albums? I was approximately eight years old. That was my John Fogarty phase, and you were into Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> and it was both this, our... This actually is a clear lie to where we are today, Jake. Both of our, both of our <laughs> hammer phases were in full effect. <laughs> That's a line back to Dylan. It's it's a, you know it's a long way around. He makes it there. <laughs> he Def Leppard, same thing back to Bowie. <laughs> Def Leppard would have not existed without Bowie. And yeah, and John Fogerty would not even be born without Bob Dylan. <laughs> even though they came out Again, almost no, at wanna, the same time. I want to say that that drummer, a Def Leppard, that guy really knocks it out. Hey guys, let's let's just take a minute and agree. We all agree on that. That Mick Ronson's licks are sweltering. <laughs> and the guy from Def Leppard with one arm can really Wait, rock. I don't know. And can't be bothered to look up. Whatever his name is, you know you're okay, listening. That guy kills. Thanks, it's really guy. Unfor- it's really unfortunate that he plays for Def that Leppard. That guy I don't know if he still does. I have no idea. Does Def Leppard? Def Leppard can't still be it together. Oh, they got to. No, they, they got to be playing casinos and stuff. They got to. Oh, uh, they'll go on some sort of cruise at some point if they haven't already. <laughs> That's probably where they are right now. It's, it's a metal cruise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, with two arms, it's, it's the drummer from the new Def Oh, Leopard. they're still together, Jake. They, they are. are. Oh, together. Good for you, Def. They released Def an Le- album at least as recently as 2015. Wow. Uh, well, you, you would know because you have it. <laughs> 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 uh, what? <laughs> Just like all their tapes, like when you were a kid. Yeah, well, in 2018, they did a 58-date North American tour with Journey. Oh, that is a double. A that's a double dip. That's <laughs> that a real. Makes a lot of sense. That's a real double dip. Okay, all right. Sorry. Back to Bowie and Dylan. Okay, Whew. so one last thing here, Jake, that I need to talk about. And I know you already know the answer, but I'm going to have you do something for him. Have you pretend that you don't know the answer, that you don't remember the answer. I can't wait. I might that not remember Woody Woodmansey. Yeah. The drummer for the Spiders from Mars. His name is Mick. Woody is not his real name. His I'm going to say that because I'm, I'm going to really wind this up here, Jake. His name. Woody is not his real name, but was rather a nickname. Ah, a nickname? What is his <laughs> real name? Okay. Now, do you, are you giving me a multiple choice, or am I, Jake, am I just guessing? It was, it's Mick. Okay? What? It's Mick. No. And as we stated, there are so many Micks in the late 60s, early what? 70s, British rock, that he couldn't even use the name Mick, because he couldn't even like, get in the band that didn't already have another Mick in it. like, there's already... So had to, like, come up with a different name to go by instead of Mick, because there are already two Mickey Micks around. There's already three Mick Woodsysons on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I... Yeah, it's unbelievable. I have, tiny, I have a tiny amount of room in my heart for Mick Woody Woodmansey. Absolutely. Me too, especially with them, with them burns. No, he no, didn't have Trevor the burns. Balder, that's, oh, that's, that's Trev. Trev. That's, that's Trev. Trev. Okay, right. Sorry. Sorry, Woody and Trev. Woody Woodmansey was the boring drummer. The boring-looking drummer. Who you still gave 3.0. You, you, you either he have had... a boring-looking bass player or a boring-looking drummer. That's one of the laws of rock bands, Jake. You know this. Yeah, and the bass player and the drummer can die at any time, and it doesn't matter. That's true. No, they can both be boring looking, only one of them. Except in Led Zeppelin's case, because John Bonham was that cool. When he died, Led Zeppelin died too. Forever. 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 All right, Jake, okay. tell us about some of the boring wow. stuff that Dylan did in 1972, because I just racked us through a 72. I know, you went crazy. I just, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, Jake, yeah. that I think this recording was better than our last one at least for what we done what i did so far yeah you seemed a little hesitant last time but this time you just didn't even let anything happen except for you I talking had, i had the practice jake if, you if, went if, if i did all of this already once before your nickname during that became the bulldozer <laughs> you bulldozer. That's what my nickname would have become mick something <laughs> you're a mick m- the bulldozer mick, charlie mick bulldozer <laughs> chance i'll take that name i love that <laughs> Yeah you, will. yeah, you will. Guess who guess who didn't take another name in nineteen seventy two? Nice segue. Bob Dylan. <laughs> that was a good segue. He'll never was tell it? me otherwise. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. Was it? Uh so Bob Dylan did almost nothing in nineteen seventy two. He wasn't British, so his name wasn't Mick. We know that. <laughs> He's not Mick. Although, um this leads us right into a game that we played last time, and we're gonna play it again. <laughs> It's a game in which I tell you all of Bob Dylan's real aliases in chronological oh, order. I guess, let's see if I'm well close to paying attention and if I can, if I can remember any of the questions all right. here. All right, well, you keep that to yourself. You just okay. t- take, a little mental, take a little mental quiz. All right, uh, his first name was, of course, Bob Dylan. Just kidding. Robert his name Zimmerman. was Robert Zimmerman. You nailed it. His, actually, he had two concurrent first names. He has a Hebrew name, Chess. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember uh-huh. this. You told, you told me last time. He was born me. Jewish, and he has a Hebrew name. I was name. shocked then, and I'm shocked now. And his real Hebrew name is Shabtai Zissel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good name. It is a nice name, Shabtai. I, uh, Shabtai I, Zizzle. I like I, the Zizzle part, particularly. I'm thinking about, re- I'm thinking about renaming my 12-year-old uh, Shabtai Zissel Beck right now. <laughs> Do you think he would appreciate like, that? This seems like culture appropriation here, Jake. <laughs> You're right. I don't we're, think that's appropriate. Uh, we're not Jewish. I apologize. We're not Jewish. No, we are not. All right. His first uh, musical uh, uh, alias was a name Elston Gunn. That's what he called himself when he was trying to be a piano player in local and regional rock bands. Is there any relation to Tommy Gunn from Rocky Five, Jake? Yeah, uh, let me check my notes. No, there's not. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I, lo- I love when you check your notes. Although, um, the, the guns <laughs> are not... I just have this clear vision of you, like, <laughs> just with your hair sticking up on end, and, like, there's just being piles and mountains of paper everywhere, yeah. and just throwing it all over the place in a frenzy. That's exactly how I do a podcast. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, uh-huh. I do write my notes by hand, as you found out at Christmas. You're a, you're a computer man yourself. Yeah. Yep, I do it all on computer. Yeah, yep. that's all good. That's I, I'd like to keep things exciting by not being able to read my own handwriting, which is what's happening right <laughs> that now. Is, that is exciting. <laughs> it really is. Okay, let's see what would be next. Oh, Blind Boy Grunt. 
that was another one of his. Wind that's Wake Hunt. That's, that's, a good one. Yeah. that's the alias he used when he was first coming up in New York. He would uh, record uh, little singles and then put them out as Blind Boy Grunt in various folk magazines and such, like people tend to do. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, yeah. They always, they always be doing that. Let's see what's next. Oh, he played <laughs> as. <laughs> he played as. This is this might be my favorite one. Uh, Tedham Porterhouse. Tedham. Yeah. Tedham. Yeah. I mean Porterhouse. No pseudo folk slash blues musician is complete if they have not named themselves after a cut of steak. Right. Apparently. And what I found funny about this. I mean, is, usually, like, T Bone is a good. You know, that's the classic. That's the classic. You know. T Bone. T Bone. John. It's a little bit. Uh, Ribeye is right up there, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you just don't hear like you know flank. You don't. Hear, you don't hear like like cow tongue back. Cow tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. Trust us. The old flanky sirloin. <laughs> we call it. that's that was actually flanky. my name when I was a folk and slash blues musician in yeah. New York City was flanky yeah. sirloin, and apparently I didn't have a good enough nickname to so make it. Mine was uh, mine was gristle chicken. Gristle chicken. <laughs> I sucked so bad they had to name me after a chicken. <laughs> you didn't even make your way up to steak. I'm not even at like I'm not even at beef. I'm not even at ground beef. Uh, he played on an album with Ramblin' Jack Elliott in 1964 as Tedham Tedham Porterhouse. I imagine they all thought that was very funny. I'm sure they had a great laugh about it. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, Bob, you're such a card. <laughs> you're such a cut-up Bob. Just like that. All right, we're going to fast then, forward. And some drugs after that. <laughs> we're going to fast forward all the way to the late 80s when he played with the Traveling Wilburys. They all named themselves after Wilburys. Right, his, just like the Ramones. <clears throat> exactly. The Ramones. Just like the Ramones, that's correct. Uh, the first one was Lucky Wilbury. I thought the Ramones were actually brothers for some some. Extended period. I actually, videos. I actually just found out now from you that they're not. <laughs> I feel a little, I feel a little ashamed of myself. I have a, a brief, a brief tangent to go uh, on. Oh, please do, sir. Okay, so I'm a teacher, as as I think we know, you know that I'm, I'm nowadays I'm a school librarian, but I was a teacher at one point. I remember I was a teacher. I had this one student who was, uh, he was a seventh grader, and he was interested. He was getting into punk, mm-hmm. and as all. You know, the most punk thing you can think of when you're a seventh grader is to check out a book about punk from the school library. Definitely. Which is what this kid did. What do they know about it? He was it? reading it, you know, avidly to learn more about punk from a library book from the school library. Yeah. Which, again, is the least punk thing you can possibly do. Um, and he was uh, <laughs> so funny. He was really working hard on becoming a hipster or something, which is great. Because, of course, he's, like, talking to me about this because I think he, I don't know, somewhere in there I played music and stuff and he knew I was into, you know, in Iraq a lot. Sure. And he, um, he got in this, uh, he was talking about the Sex Pistols. And, um, I forget what, how it led to this conversation, but he said something to be like, to the effect of, yeah, I, I really like their earlier work. <laughs> Which, my, when, when my response was, oh, they only have one album, well, to kind of stupefy, he really wasn't sure what to say after that. Like, oh, I meant there's Later singles. on, a few days later, he got in a big fight with me because he, over whether David Bowie was a member of the Ramones or not. Uh-oh. How'd that go? <laughs> and I'm like, I, what? 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 No. He was actually David Ramone. In conclusion, uh-huh. David Bowie, to, for all those at home who might be wondering about this fact, maybe he was misrepresented in that library book. I don't know. Wow. But David Bowie was never a member of the Ramones, everyone. Okay. 
I, some dropping, dropping some truth on you here, Jake. I didn't, I didn't know that. Dropping I didn't know that. <laughs> I, actually, I actually didn't know that. I've never... I, it's something I'm, I didn't know. Yeah. And well, now I know. Now, now wow. you know. Now Thanks. You know. After Roy Orbison died and the uh, Traveling Wilburys went into their second iteration, he yeah. re-Christianed himself Boo Wilbury rather than Lucky Boo Wilbury. Wilbury. Okay. Is this uh, a reference to, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird? I'm, 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 I'm imagining that it is. I can't. Unless it was for Halloween. Like Boo or something like that. Boo! Boo! Wilbury. Boo! Wilbury, that's me. That's me. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm Boo. Boo Wilbury. Bob, Bob, we take off the sheet. Stop wearing the sheet around. You can't wear the sheet on stage, Bob. <laughs> Bob, Bob, but Bob, it's offensive. You can't do that. Bob, I, Bob. Okay. Bob, Boo, oh, he's you going. You can't wear the sheet Boo. on stage. <laughs> he's like, that's Thank better. Thank you for taking it off. Thank you for taking it off. That's so Thank much you. All right. better. All right, get Get out there and play your guitar. Get out there. Yeah, get out there and play. Okay, sing yep. that one song that you wrote for the Traveling Wilburys. <laughs> uh, just kidding. He had a bunch of good songs on the Traveling Wilburys. Such slander. <laughs> uh, I didn't say anything, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think... I've heard nothing but good things from the Traveling Wilburys. <laughs> they are. They're really good. Uh, next up, we're going to go... And he started producing albums as Jack Frost. That was in 2001. Oh, yeah. yeah and then be, uh, uh, my, personal, my personal favorite is he was credited as a screenwriter on the 2003 film Masked and Anonymous, which we haven't talked about yet. Uh, he, this is one of Bob Dylan's great movie you know, forays slash disasters. He's actually in it. It's like about him, kind of, et cetera, et cetera. Can't, Based can't on wait. all of the other movies he's been involved in, I bet it's amazing, Jake. Oh, it's, you know what? It might be the best one by far. <laughs> anyway, he got, he, got a <laughs> uh, he got a screenwriting credit, and he named himself Sergei Petrov. Sergei <laughs> Petrov. No one knows why. Yeah, and the reason that I made up this game in the first place, um, going out of chronological order now, is that one of the three things that he did in the entirety of 1972 was play harmonica on a David Bromberg album on one song, and he named himself Robert Milkwood Thomas. Is this, is this a reference to Dylan Thomas? I have no idea, sir. Is Dylan it a Thomas clue? Who, who, wrote, who wrote a book called Milkwood? Oh, maybe it is. Well, this is all here, Jake. Dylan Whoa. Thomas. And look, oh, my gosh. It's all right here. And Robert. Look. Robert's the first name. Bob. Holy crap. Milk. Bob. This is it. He's giving it away. Bastard. Wow. We just, he figured, is. we just cracked it, Jake. It took Milkwood, us. I, I have not read Milkwood in years, but I read it a few years ago, and all I, I don't remember much about it except that I really liked it. Wow, we solved an actual mystery on Boy vs. Dylan just now, guys. And I will have you know, audience, that we did not solve it the first time we did this No, it episode. took two times. In fact, this is the, this is the this fourth code. attempt at a ruined podcast, and here we are. Finally. <laughs> I feel like I'm in an episode of True Detective right now. Oh, Man. Boy. All right. I wonder if Dylan Thomas knows about this. I think. Or if he's still alive, I have no clue. Probably not. He's probably not alive. Oh, Dylan know. Thomas is, like, from way back when. Oh, way back when? Milkwoods were not from the 50s? No, you better look that up, homie. I'm looking this up. I thought I'm Dylan Thomas gonna... was like early 1900s. I, I can might be wrong. be wrong. I might be wrong. You are yeah, the I re- you were the teacher. I remember sir. reading Milkwood and liking it quite a bit, but okay, Oh well, yeah, okay. He died in 1950. He was not he, he died at like 39. Okay. Well, okay, you're right. He so died in 53. 
Okay, so we're, we split the difference. Let's see here. I'm going to find out when Milk Widow's published. We both win. All right. The, the other thing that he did uh, was he contributed three songs on a tribute album oh, called... Oh, so on, under Milkwood. Under Milkwood's name of it. Not Milkwood. Under okay, Milkwood. but still. That's all in It was there. from the 50s. I was right. Oh, you son of a gun. Mm. Wow. I got schooled. Yeah, you did. By a teacher and a librarian. It was a radio drama originally. I did not know that. Uh, can you stop reading about Dylan Thomas now? <laughs> uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> I will not, and I won't. I cannot, and I will not. Good day, <laughs> sir. Uh, he contributed three songs to a tribute to Woody Guthrie, which was a tribute album. I don't know which songs he did, because I didn't bother looking it up twice. Not even the second time. Not even the second time. Yeah, like, um, three things to talk about, and you didn't even bother to do one. You know what? Why don't you shut up, Chaz? <laughs> Come on, and we all know that Dylan loved Woody Guthrie. That's all he yeah, ever talked about. I know. I was hanging out with him last week. Much like Bowie became Ziggy Stardust, Dylan originally started out by being Woody Guthrie. He method acted going himself. long because my, my beer is already gone. Yeah, well, I haven't even started talking about Bob Dylan yet. This is turning, <laughs> this is turning into a terrible disaster, Chad. I just want you to know that. This is what you get when you ask me to stay up late to record a podcast. Well, this is two hours, two hours later in Minnesota than it is in Washington. This is what I Just get saying. when I ruin when I somehow corruptify on an iPhone four. <laughs> I have only myself sweet, to blame. Sweet, Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. Hey, me and that phone have had a lot of good times, including. <laughs> All of this. Like 33 not corrupted episodes of Boy vs. <laughs> Absolutely. Dylan. Man, everything was the same until I tried to download it on the computer. <laughs> you know that. It was all good. Holy buckets. Let's see. Dylan did. Uh, Dylan actually was not in New York. He went and he kind of like hung out. They think that he was on a ranch that he bought in Arizona. So that's what he was hey. doing for literally like 10 months out of the year, 1972. <laughs> Just hanging out on the ranch. Yeah, he's hanging out on the ranch Ran- in Arizona. Ranching around. Uh, he wrote uh, an enduring classic called Forever Young. And guess who, who he wrote that enduring for? enduring classic? Guess who he wrote that for, Chess? It wasn't Mick Ronson. You didn't oh, know him yet. I do know. Well, who is it? You tell it's, Jake, it's Jake, Jacob Dylan. That's Jacob with a K. That's Jacob Dylan, the blue-eyed cherub from heaven. <laughs> With one headlight. With one headlight on Sixth Avenue Freeze Out or whatever that song is called. <laughs> Sixth Avenue, oh, well, the same black line that was drawn on. That's a good song. I wonder if the Wallflowers will ever play with Def Leppard. Can we talk about this? <laughs> Here's a thought that I just had. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would like to share with you. <laughs> Man, consider it shared. I like that idea. I like that a lot. <laughs> well, the Wallflowers oh, together? Are they still doing anything? I mean, I'm assuming kids you don't worry about. I'm going to look them up while you're talking about whatever it is you're talking about. All right, so another thing that Dylan did was he, he released a lyrics, poem, and personal drawings book called Writings and Drawings. Uh, writings not, and Drawings? <laughs> yeah, not I a... I heard that it had both writings and drawings. It did, it. and also poems. He should have said writing, poems, and drawings. Yeah, I mean, he kind of left out a pretty integral part here. He did. Lyrics, uh, poems, and personal drawings. So he kind of put this together. He edited it. He he did a bunch of stuff for the book. I guess he put some care into it, I guess, while he was uh, on a ranch in Arizona. Anyway, that came out. Um, and then the only other thing he did, let me just make sure here. Oh, he started work on Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Um, that came out in 73. It's a Sam Peckinpah 
uh, Western film. Uh, oh. So he started that uh, presumably after he came back from Arizona. That will that will dominate 1973. That's all he did in 1973. And there's Looking a lot of stories. Looking forward to it. it. Are you? I'm not <laughs> Did sure you know the you Wallflowers are. formed in 1989? Well, that is just crazy. Did you hear to foreknow that uh, Jacob Dylan is the only consistent member? Oh, I did across, not. Across the board. I did not know that. And that every other member has been a member for six years or less. I did not know that either. And Everyone else left it behind. But they're still, yeah, they took their sacks of money and they left. Mm-hmm. Although they were among the hundreds of artists whose material was reportedly st- destroyed in the 2008 Universal Fire. That's been uh, coming up a lot lately. It's been coming up a lot lately, yeah. yeah. People are mad. Shed a, shed a tear for Jacob Dylan. Oh, Jacob. Oh, Jacob. All right. And then the only other thing that he did I actually have to talk about, so we'll see how we're that... Hope you're hanging out. We hope you're hanging out in heaven with Mick Ronson, even though you're not dead. <laughs> Chaz, can I talk about this thing? Please. I don't know. I don't know. Please, it's the it's the only thing I actually have to talk about. This is like I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm in hell right now. I just feel like I I feel like I'm, it's, it's Groundhog Day. Only. Well, I it's wish like you Groundhog I wish minute. you were not in hell. I wish you were hanging out with Nick Ronson in heaven. Okay, <laughs> ripping off some heavenly licks. <laughs> just, just I hope and I wish you had your axe with you. We just trade in our axes for harps and we rip it up. <laughs> Rip it up. It's not easy to get get some tasty legs going on a heart, but you can do it in heaven. Well, yeah, you can do anything in heaven. That's what I heard. Uh, Here's what Dylan did. The last thing that he did, he released a documentary called Eat the Document. (laughs) Eat the Document. Eat the Document. I'm on it, Bob. That sounds kind of like an order, so go ahead and do that. You just eat it. Done. The, Done. I already did it. Not a document, mind you. The. The document. The document, yep. Uh, it was originally intended as a companion piece to the D.A. Pennebaker uh, documentary, which we've talked a lot about, called Don't yeah. Look Back. Uh, it was shot, really, really good. shot by D.A. Pennebaker from the 1966 World Tour, which we just talked about yet again. <clears throat> Things are really coming around, Chaz. We talk a lot about They, are, they constantly happen. Yeah, they constantly happen. It's like, I'm talking about 1966 all the time. Anyway, this was originally intended to run as an hour special on ABC, the television network, in 1967. Mm -hmm. But uh, as D.A. Pennebaker was making it and directing it and editing it and such like that, uh, Dylan had his motorbike crash. Which everything in his life revolves around. Yep, including this. And after he had convalesced, but didn't want to re-enter the limelight, he had some time on his hands. So he just, he took all of the film from D.A. Pennebaker, and he decided he would edit it himself. This is listed... Something he was surely qualified to do. Yes. Uh, let me give you a... Experienced and qualified, much more so than <laughs> a respected filmmaker like D.A. Pennebaker. He had been working on it for literally minutes in his mind. <laughs> That's, and what minutes they were. They were incredible minutes. Uh, D.A. Pennebaker himself had this to say about it, about Dylan's decision to edit it, this edit this film um, by himself. He said, quote, It's not Screw some- you. Oh. <laughs> I think he probably did say that, but he's like, whatever. <laughs> he said, It's not something you learn parking cars in a garage. You got to know some of the rules. And he didn't know any of the rules. <laughs> Which, oh, which strikes me about that one time that uh, Bowie went in and pitched his play, and the guy was like, do you know what a play is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <I think> <laughs> DA's like, do you, 
Do you know what editing is? Do you know what a documentary is? Do you know what this is? <laughs> do you know, what this? Do you know how to no. edit? Okay. Edit film. So Dylan worked on this for literally years on on and off. When he finally gave it to ABC in 1972, they rejected the film as incomprehensible for a mainstream audience. <laughs> Which, again, will be uh, the name of our next podcast. Incomprehensible. Exactly. For yeah, see, it's the subtitle of Bowie vs. Dylan. Now actually. I'm getting Bowie deja vu. Incomprehensible for a mainstream audience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was never released on home video. It had a couple of kind of disastrous debuts in 1972. That's when it actually came out. Uh, <laughs> And never. So have you seen? Have you seen any part of this? Yeah, I watched. A, I watched. Yeah. I watched half of it on YouTube. There's a. Okay. There's a cut of it on YouTube, and uh, here's here's a few things I wrote down. It it features concert performances, which are kind uh, of awesome and incendiary. Except he keeps yeah, cutting away yeah, from, from them. From 1966. Yep. Yeah. It's uh. So he he's kind of playing a song, but not an entire song, and then it's intercut with tedious and ponderous avant-garde BS, where literally nothing happens. <laughs> What I wrote down. Uh, that's my favorite thing that happens in the middle of a really good Bob Dylan song. Is yeah, where it just stops, and you listen to nothing instead of yeah. the song. Well, you see Bob sometimes. Really so, good. so Bob is like one of his best years. Bob is watching a parade at one point, uh, uh, and then there's like there's at least a couple minutes, you know, uh, all together of like a train just chugging down the track. <laughs> it was like kind of uh, you know day in the life kind of stuff apparently, but with Bob Dylan in it. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, yeah, yeah. Bob yeah, Dylan in England, the documentary. Uh, anyway, uh, it does have one famous scene with John Lennon. John Lennon was filmed. I heard, I heard that guy one time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He was in. Um, have you ever heard of a band? Oh, what's their name? He worked. He worked with David Bowie in 1975. That's right. Oh, that's probably what it is. And mm-hmm. nothing. And nothing else. And nothing else. And nothing, nothing else. at all. Yep. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know what he was in? He was in the Beatles. I remember now. He's referenced in the song Life on Mars by David Bowie. That's where I really heard him. He's referenced first. in that song? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Lemons on sale again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I uh, thought it was lemons, like the fruit for, for I always thought it was it's lemons. Not, I always not, thought it was lemons, too. It's lemons? And I heard it was lemon, and it's singing like, uh, you know, the communist, you know, the lemon. Yeah, but it's not? But no, no, it's, it's John Lennon. I'm just learning. My mind is blown. I'm learning so much stuff. I'm just... Dropping knowledge on you, Jake. Shoo. <laughs> like that. You know, my uh, my house can't take any more knowledge. We're, just <laughs> We're well, shaking. We're shaking here. It's 11.05 um, in my house. And it's still coming. Hey, oh. Uh, I feel like I'm telling an anecdote about your anecdote, but it's actually an anecdote <laughs> about your anecdote about my anecdote at this point. Okay, we, yeah, okay, yeah. So this, has, this is John Lennon. We're, we're coming back again. Uh, he's in the back of a taxi cab with Bob, and they're clearly like, they're clearly blasted on something, possibly uh-huh. possibly heroin from from. Is it Rye online. IPA? It is not from one Rye IPA, Chaz. <laughs> it's just not. That's good because I'm not I'm not blasted. <laughs> you don't you don't feel like that? I'm just just a little loose, but it could be because it's eleven o'clock and I'm tired. Dylan looks like he's absolutely out of his mind, which I guess he was, and Lennon maybe was too. But Lennon was more like paranoid, and and he was really awkward and weird. It was kind of an awkward situation. Yeah. Um, and Lennon says, "Quote: We were both in shades and both on effing junk, and all these freaks around us. <laughs> I was nervous as shit." I was on his territory. That's why I was so nervous. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, I like that. 
really like your uh, your Liverpool. By Thanks, the way, man. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate <laughs> it. Because my favorite of your accents. <laughs> Wow, you know what your favorite? I was thinking about this the other day. My favorite of your accents is the weird BBC guys when they're talking <laughs> about Wait, Bowie. So I, 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 that didn't make the cut because you know he did plenty. Of, he did a ton of BBC sessions in '72. He did like five of them or something. But well, they didn't get released though. There was too much stuff going on. I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. make the cut. Yeah. Okay. So no, eat the document I, came so out. I'll just, I'll just talk. I'll just talk like a BBC producer. That old talk looking yeah, little that, 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 that accent is really—it's really tasty. It's really tasty. <laughs> I really like it. Oh, thank you very much, BBC. Hey, next up, whatever year we're doing next, let's just talk like that the entire time. Entirely, I'll be BBC announcer from the late sixties, early seventies. You yeah. be cartoonish Liverpool. I'll be a Liverpoolian. <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> All right, where are we at here? You know what, Any man? More anecdotes I feel like, I feel like, I feel like we just need to, we just need to move on. You know, All right? In this All podcast right. and in life, let's just let's just do it. Let's just go. All right, I'm gonna count up a gigantic mountain of points. Jake, yeah, you ready for this? I hear you. I'm ready. All right, I number guess. one. The album The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stars and the Spiders from Mars. Never heard of it. Um, quote, this is, I'm quoting myself right now. Mm-hmm. Quote, yes, it is that good. Mm. End quote. I saw that in a It's a classic album, and it's, you know, like sometimes you wonder about classic albums. Are they as good? I say that this is as good. Um, notably, it's not as heavy as normally remembered, which I mentioned earlier. Rolling Stone named it the 35, 35th best album of all time in 2013. <clears throat> yeah. According to acclaimed music, an aggregate site that I discovered while researching this episode, which is kind of cool, it's kind of fun, acclaimed Ooh. music, it's the 16th most celebrated album of all time. Wow. So and uh, I, I'm going to say it deserve that. This is one of only two Bowie albums that I will give a perfect five wow. score on. Fives are very rare. I think you've given out one. I've given out, I've given out two. You've given out two. You've done yeah. two. I did. I've only given out one. I only have one more, like, in my back pocket ready to go. Okay. It's that good. I think I only have Next one more. Next up, Bowie did production for two, count on two albums. Two. Pop All the Young Dudes. Um, all this the is, Young I wrote, Dudes. is a good, solid, but not transcendent album. It's well worth listening to. Production solid. Um, for production, we only get the total possible of one point on this. Yeah. I'm giving them half a point for this guy. Yeah. It deserves it. Next up is Lou Reed's Big Transformer, time. which is generally considered Reed's to be considered to be Reed's best solo album. Though it I is. personally like, uh, I like Berlin best. You listen to Berlin, Jake? Yes, I like Berlin a lot, but I, I do have to, Transformer. I, I do have I to like go Berlin, with Transformer. Though. Personally, what's that? I said I do have you to go with Transformer. I go with Transformer. Yeah, you do. Okay, all right. I go with Berlin. I like Berlin better. I have some nostalgia mixed in with the with the Transformer. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, Transformer is a big fat, you know famous album it's got a couple big hits like Perfect Day and Satellite of Love and of course Walk on the Wild Side <laughs> we really went big on the bass line we did Can we do, we're gonna do it at the end we're gonna do it at the end again as a okay. treat to you anyway the song is especially notable because there are verses about transgender individuals mm-hmm. prostitutes and oral sex absolutely and oh, somehow yeah. it became like a big fat hit in spite of all that stuff on there well also, in spite of the fact that at this point is some pretty problematic lyrics in the fact that quote, and the color girls say, <laughs> and the color girls, yeah, that doesn't really 
Yeah, that, that makes me uncomfortable. That makes me uncomfortable, Jake. Well, sure. I'm going to say it. Yeah. It should. It's problematic, yeah. It should. Uh, but presumably not as problematic in 1972. I don't, no, I I don't think know it, much about I think it referenced... I don't know as much about, about that phrase as to when that moved out. I kind of feel like that was more like a 50s, 60s phrase. But yeah, I think it was, it was a reference to like... It was a reference to like doo-wop, like the how they sing, you know, like doo-wop, yeah. doo-wop yeah. singers and stuff like that. I mean, obviously you wouldn't call anybody a colored girl anymore, but... No, no, no. No, just don't. Hey, free anyway, piece of advice, guys. Don't do it. The album's a classic. It's great. Um, out of one point, I would think about giving this one, except that Bowie shares credit with Ronson. And Ronson gets like a pretty well million split. Ronson points. plays on it a little bit more. Um, so I feel like they would each get a half point on this one, so I'm giving Bowie a half point for that one, too. Next hey, up hey, is hey. his tour. This is his first true full-blown tour. He does 88 shows in England and America. Wow, big time. Started his American tour in Cleveland, as we already mentioned. Yep. Uh, by all accounts, the shows were very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, he rocked it out. It was great. There is one live show from this from 72 of this called a Santa Monica 72, which is an awesome show. Yeah. So I'm giving the tour a one point. Okay. Out of a possible one. Makes sense. Finally, singles. Cause oh, boy. Because Bowie's got five hot singles Dang. in 1972. First up is actually a song not from Ziggy Stardust, but rather from Hunky Dory that came out the year before. But this came out in 72. And that is a little song by the name of, oh, I don't know, Changes. Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it? I have. Uh, I like that song. It's a thematic song about embracing shifts and changes. Yeah. It could be a theme song changes. for Bowie's career. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it's a rocking, amazing song. And uh, we had talked ahead of time, and we are ready to give it one of our very rare double points for yeah, this single. That's, that's it's the second time Bowie's gotten one of these. He got one for Space Saturday. He's getting that for changes that's as well. That's very obvious. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a classic. Next up is Starman, which was Starman at the time. Starman, we're Notably the only single from Ziggy Stardust originally. No, no more singles came out for a couple of years later when really? people still wanted to listen to these Darius. Yeah. Um, it was recorded last minute. It was one of the last songs, one of the last three songs recorded for the album. Recorded specifically as a single because the, the record label didn't feel like there was a clear single. So Bowie did this. Uh, it totally rips off Over the Rainbow. Yes. So Starman. Somewhere, somewhere over the rainbow. He has uh, acknowledged that he totally ripped that off. That it's an octave jump that he just took for Starman. Wait, can so we sing? One. Can good we one. sing the first good lines of the two songs together? I'll do. Okay. I'll do somewhere over the rainbow. You do okay. Starman. One, two, ready, go. There's somewhere a star over the, the rainbow. Way Hey, that worked out really good. Yeah, it sounded, it sounded really good. It sounded really, really good. Just really good. I could almost hear Mick Ronson's harp from heaven while I was <laughs> Just wailing on his guitar. He's just wailing Anyway, on his uh, that is a clear one-pointer. One-pointer, boom one. house. Love that song. Next up is Hang On To Yourself. Not the version from Ziggy Stardust, but an earlier version from the weird Arnold Korns side band that he tried to put together because he yeah. was trying to be Andy Warhol. Uh, the song's not terrible, but it's not nearly as good as the Ziggy Stardust version, and I give it zero points. I give it zero points. Next up, we have John, I'm Only Dancing. John, I'm, I'm only, only dancing. dancing. 
It turns me on. It turns me on. It's a great song. It is. Uh, it was a non-album single. It actually was re-recorded and re-released as a non-album single the following year. <laughs> Again? Yeah, it was. Uh, so, yes. It, this was released. That's bizarre, man. John and Lloyd Dancing. It was released in 72. He completely re-recorded it and released it as a non-album single again in 1973. That's Then crazy. he re-recorded it as a very quite, quite different version in 1975 called John and Molly Dancing Again. Oh, my gosh. And that was released as a single in 1979. Why? So, Why? Why, buddy? I mean, the, the third version <laughs> is way, 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 way different than the first two. Just, like, just barely similar. Like, the oh. lyrics are all different and everything. Okay. The first two are really quite similar. That's bizarre. Um, the versions get mixed up all the time. And it was but a hit, too, uh, right? Yeah, it was a the hit. The first time. It's a great song. It's a great song. No, I know it is, but it was a hit the first time. Why did he re-record it in an almost identical version? I don't know. Version? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a hit the first time. I don't know if oh, it was a hit okay. the first time or the second. It, it's just, versions get so mixed up, because apparently they were released in like, the same number for the single two. Like, there's just all kinds of confusion about oh, these. that's bizarre. And like, they're obvious. You can tell. Like, one of them is usually, usually referred to, the second one is usually referred to as the sax version, because there's saxophone in there, and you can hear it. But oh. Otherwise, they're not that. Like, it's not a drastic reworking or anything. I don't know why this all happened the way it did. Okay. Um, also notable of John Emily dancing because it was his first official music video ever. Whoa. And it's directed by, oh, I don't know, Mick Rock. Ever heard of him? Who has the best name in all of British rock and roll, even yeah. though he was just a, you know, photographer and music video director. Yeah. Best name ever. So, that song's awesome. Gets another one point. And finally, he managed to, at the end of the year, uh, recorded a song by the name of, I don't know, Gene Genie. Ever heard of it. Ever heard of it, which would be the lead single off of Aladdin Sane. He recorded it before he recorded the rest of Aladdin Sane and released it. While he was still like out on the road, on tour. He did all this on the tour. I don't know what this guy was doing in 1972. Unbelievable. Everything. Unbelievable. So he recorded it on the road and released ahead of Aladdin Sane, which didn't come out until April of 73. Okay. And it was his second official music video, directed by, oh, I don't know, Mick Rock again. Ever heard of him again? Ever heard of him again? Mick Still the best Rock. name in all rock and roll. So, Jake. Yep. This mammoth yep. display results in, I think it's my best year from Bowie so far. Yep. With a destroying mammoth triumphant 12 points. Yep. So, I think last time we talked more about the parallels. We won't do it now, audience. You know, so rest easy. We're not going to put you through anything (laughs) more tonight. But uh, we talked more about how 66 for for Dylan and 72 for Bowie were sort of, uh, you know, there was a lot of of things going on that that seemed the same. They were like world conquering. They did an unbelievable amount of stuff. They didn't sleep. And I think they each got 12 points. Yeah, wasn't Dylan... Dylan was either like 12 or 12 and a half. He might have been 12 and a half. But anyway, a very similar amount of points. That's like, yeah. And these aren't even their best years, but that's almost as no. much as you can do, really. We are we are both quite sure there's at least one year that is better yeah. than this one. Yeah. Maybe only one in both cases. All right. But. And you know what? That year is this year because Dylan is almost going to get to 12, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's going to yeah. be close. So uh, what he did was release Writings and Drawings, the uh, lyrics, poems, and personal drawings book. It, uh, it's out of print now for whatever reason, even though it, apparently he did a pretty good job on it. So I'm going to give you, it a... Have you, uh, have you gotten a hold of a copy? Have you... <laughs> no, no. No? No, no I, have, I haven't killed anyone on the street for a copy of Writings and Drawings. I wasn't sure if the library had one, you know. Oh, no, you know what? I didn't even... Dusting around. Yeah, I, I doubt that very much. Uh, probably. But probably. yeah, it's worth looking, Jake. Hey, it's worth, what it's you worth uh... like, 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's worth a quick look. It's well, worth a quick search. Support your local library, Jake. Hey, why don't you get on like, the library? Like library you know what? Why don't you go... I would like you to take a quick look, Jake. Why don't you go sleep on the sidewalk until they open up in the morning? Why don't and you, you talk to the librarians, and even if they don't have a copy in your system, they hey. probably will know the final one for you. Hey, and I'm if just you don't, saying. If I'm you, just saying. If you don't have your library card, you can just give them your phone number. It's that easy. Easy, Jake. It's that easy. Just go get it. Just go try. You know, you could hey. you could take a nap in the back if you don't have anywhere else to go. Give it a shot. Know? You know, it's a very. I was, I was doing some work there earlier because uh, I went into work and the air conditioning was broken at work, so I went to the library instead. You know, where the air conditioning was not broken. It's a. Friendly, it was actually much too cold. I was really cold in there. It's generally a friendly place. It's a friendly place for homeless people. Friendly place. And, friendly place. Um, so anyway, your public library support it. That's what we're trying to. <laughs> that's what this has all been about. That's, that's the theme of the first 34 episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. We're really tying it in the bow support, here. Support your local library, and Vic Ronson is totally sweet. He's, he's, he's pretty much the best. Almost as good <laughs> as the public library. The winner of Boy vs. Dylan is Vic Ronson. Well, yeah, I know. You since, know since, since the very hey, first episode. Spoiler alert, man. <laughs> You're spoiling it Sorry, for everyone. We still, we still have like 30 episodes to go. You know, all your storyboarding is it's really... Anyone's, it's anyone's game. Your storyboarding has... Failed miserably. That wasn't in the script. Uh, Writers and Drawings gets a plus .5 from me. Now. Hey, good. Hey, the only other thing, so we're very, we're on the way to 12. The only other thing he did was eat the document. Um, As I said, it's just, I mean, I didn't think it was incomprehensible. I just, I thought it was like too comprehensible. It just kind of sucks, you know? It's just like not very good. So there's all this good footage. um, Uh you know, kind of makes it an interesting look, and it's only, like, 50 minutes long. It's not like, you know, you're killing yourself, like with some of his other movies that he tried to do. Uh-huh. But he just, you know, Bobby just... Did he make any good movies? Like, was he directly involved with any good movies? Uh, depends on how you feel about Pat Garrett and... Uh, he and... acted one where he was supposed to be good. <sighs> what was that one? What was that one? Oh. Was one where, he... <laughs> where he was good, like, inexplicably good? Yes, uh, heart, yes, everything else was terrible. Hearts of Fire. <laughs> hearts of Fire? How can I forget Hearts of Fire? Hearts I'm of sorry. Fire is the best. It's the best movie ever made. That's what I know about it. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. Move over, Citizen King. Like, kind of toss-up. Citizen King, Hearts of Fire. Uh, hearts of Fire toss wins up. because both Citizen two. it. Uh, it depends on what, how you feel about Masked and Anonymous as well, which I, which I mentioned earlier. I don't think there's necessarily anything like that's just straight up good that he is in. Yeah, I don't think so. But I might be wrong. Who knows? Well, I'll be watching. <laughs> there's, still, there's still time. There's, there's still time. Anyway, Bob uh, directed, produced, starred, did the music, and edited this thing, and he just he just did a bad job, Jess. I'm sorry. <laughs> he didn't do a good job. So, <laughs> so I give it a negative. I give it a negative one. He just he didn't do a great job. Have you seen the movie? Do you like? Have you seen the movie Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson? Oh, of course. There's this one part where uh, there's this guy named Petey playing the guitar, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's like playing this kind of goofy song, and there's a lot of nonsense words and something. And some other guy comes over, like, "This isn't a good song. This is just it's just nonsense. He's he's <laughs> singing nonsense. You did a bad job, Petey. You did a bad job." <laughs> It's a bad song. Anyway, that's one of those things that's kind of like come into our just normal conversation. You know, it's just like made my wife. It's just occasionally do like, 
It's a bad job. It's a <laughs> you did a bad song. That's what makes me think about this. It's Bob. Bob, you did a bad job editing. Bob, you just, just you just did. You just did a you did a bad job. There's no other way to say it, Bob. You you didn't do it right. You didn't do it good. So anyway, I think Bob Bob probably knows that. Uh, I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know. But uh, that brings his that brings his year to a negative zero point five. It, it was close. It was, it was really, close. I mean, in the end, close, just Jake. like just like sixty six. You know, things got a just little barely scraped. Up. You were sweating. Scraped you were sweating it at the end. But I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Like, yeah. Gosh, if I lose in the Ziggy Stardust, your old boy. Oh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> what is everyone? What are the kids at school going to say? I forgot. Uh, I forgot. He wrote Forever Young, and Jacob Dylan was directly involved, so he gets an extra twenty points. I'm sure you're Oh no! Oh, not again! Oh! All right, what are we doing? At, what are we doing next time? Next time, we're doing a uh, 1999. Yeah. Next time we're at a party like it's 1999. Hey, I was wondering who would be the first to make that joke. It was me. I graduated Turns out. Turns high school out in me. 1999. Woo! 1999. Hey, Kaz, I got an idea. Yeah. Let's stop yeah. this podcast now. Can we? <laughs> what an idea. What an idea. We're yes. an Don't hour and 20 minutes. Don't forget to stop recording both of the iPads for uh, You know what? Uh, I'm going to plug them in at the same time, and the whole thing will just start on fire. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> It'll just be like, no, two iPhone 4s. <laughs> Yeah, don't jump at the same time. One at a time, baby. One at a time, One baby. At a time. One at a time. Hey, we need to uh, do our rendition of Walk on the Wild Side to end this podcast. Hey, go. Okay. You take the bass line. I'm oh, going to do the... Uh... I'm on the bass. For cheesy. Okay. All right. Got it. Go. You ready? Well, that's uh, that's because we haven't practiced once before. It's it's symbolic. Oh wait, we podcast is over. So long, everyone. Oh, bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Wait, okay, one of them stopped.